Hello and welcome back to the Holistically Awakened podcast, your one-stop destination for all things health and a kick-ass life. I'm Laurence, a certified nutritional practitioner and health coach and your host of the Holistically Awakened podcast. This is your show to learn from me and inspiring experts on how to up-level in all aspects of your life, including health, wealth, relationships, spirituality, and business, so you can live your very best life as your highest potential. No BS policy, this podcast is about awakening to the truth and talking about what really needs to happen to make your life what you want it to be, whatever that may look like. Please note this podcast is for informational purposes only. It is not intended as medical advice. Please consult with your medical provider or practitioner for your own needs and to assess what is best for you. Before we dive into this episode about the healthcare system with Lisa, I wanted to share that I have opened three spots to mentor women with PCOS in my brand new program, Elevate You. So if you're sick of the conventional route, you've tried everything, you don't know where to start, or maybe you know you're meant to thrive in your life, you just don't really know what to do next, what's the next step. Um, You know, you're Googling things, you're trying all the things, nothing's working, you're not feeling better and you want to know how to go about managing your PCOS holistically, then this is for you. Now, this isn't your typical PCOS or health program. So it's not just about the food or the movement or even the stress management. All of these are really important. All of these are addressed, but it's also going to be so important to address our inner state. And this is where we fuse all of the holistic modalities together to address the root cause to why you're stuck, why you're not feeling better, and to really help you move forward in claiming the life that you really want to live. And this is going to involve looking at your core beliefs, your identity, your thoughts, and It's only after we address these that our behaviors can actually really change and that we can shift into this new way of living, this new identity, this new life. And so in order to do the action steps to live a healthy life and continue to make these behaviors sustainable, we first need to address and adopt a new identity. So in Elevate You, we focus on epigenetics, what we can control in order to embody what we really want in our lives and create this health and vitality in our bodies that we really are craving. So when we address the root cause of why your PCOS is acting out and showing you how to manage it holistically while stepping into a new identity of yourself, this is real health and this is where you can start to thrive. So it's not enough by just addressing one piece of the puzzle, we need to address all of them together. So this holistic program combines all modalities of holistic health, mind, body, soul, so you can understand PCOS, understand your body and receive tangible tools that make a difference to be able to eventually reverse your symptoms and stop holding yourself back from living the life that you truly desire, stepping into the person that you are meant to be. So this is a four month program. My programs, programs are minimum four months, Why is that? Because I want results for you. Simple as that. I don't want a quick fix plan for you to follow for a few weeks and then abandon. I want true lasting change for you. And this program is about stepping into this new way of living, this new self, so that you can continue to feel like this and make progress over and over and over again over the years to come. So if you're curious, if you want to learn more, I will put the link in the show notes to check out the program as well as the application form. 
Um, this is by application only because this is a commitment. Um, this is not, again, a quick fix plan. This is about showing up and doing the work. And I do have three spots that are open. So I'd love to hear from you. If you're curious about learning more, we can always hop on a call and I can answer any questions that you have. Lisa is a clinical nutritionist, functional medicine writer, and natural medicine advocate. She believes that knowledge is the first step to empowerment, and she's the co-founder of an online education platform, Fior Health. Lisa runs an online clinical nutrition practice where she educates clients, provides them with their full spectrum of options, and empowers clients to take charge of their health. In addition, she also creates content for various nutraceutical companies. Lisa is currently living in Mexico as a digital nomad, and when she's not busy working, you can find her running, hiking, camping, and traveling the world to learn all that she can from local cultures about natural medicine. So welcome, Lisa, onto the podcast today. Super excited to have you here with me. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. And I can't wait to dive into this topic with you. There's a lot that we're going to go through, but I first of all would love for you to kind of introduce yourself to the listeners, and I always like to know like what brought you to this field of work that you're in because pretty much nine times out of 10, there's always been some sort of experience for people that brought them into like holistic health or like, you know, some sort of traumatic experience or like illness or whatever. So I'm wondering, were you always, you know, in this field or did you shift? How did that look like for you? Yeah, to be honest, I am not really sure how I ended up in this nutrition functional medicine field. I kind of just organically ended up here. I studied kinesiology for my undergrad and, you know, it's very conventional and when I started that, to be honest, I applied on a whim sitting on my couch because I thought, you know, I like health, I like sports, I might as well go to university for something along those lines. And then I found IHN, the school that I went to, I think honestly, like on a random computer search, I have no idea and something just clicked and I thought that's what I needed to do. And so I went in and then since since then, uh, my career has just kind of really organically unfolded through people that I've met, and I've discovered this passion for alternative medicine that I'm not really sure where it stems from, but it's so large that I, I'm assuming that this is just what I was born to do, and life just kind of led me here. <laughs> mm, yep, totally. I definitely see you kind of like following your intuition and your gut, and it's been leading you to beautiful places like Mexico, so. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And so I know that you've been talking and looking into a lot more like research in terms of like even what's going on right now with like the conventional approach, the alternative approach, and what kind of brought you to looking into that more? Because obviously this is what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah. So again, just very organically, just the people that I've been meeting, whether that is clients or in my professional life mentors and whatnot, I've just been introduced to this world of natural medicine and kind of almost the politics of it. And I just am seeing so many people who are kind of, I want to say fed up with the conventional medical system because they're just not getting results. And um, typically the clients that I see are, are really ill and they've been to like specialist and specialist and specialist and just nothing is working. And I, I see them and their quality of life. And so I, yeah, just kind of really got into the nitty gritty of it all through that. And then a lot of my mentors are also in this world who kind of um, pushed me along this more like advocacy path versus um, 
yeah, just kind of like taking my back seat and like seeing my clients here and there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, totally. And so I'd love for you to kind of explain to our listeners, just so that we're all on the same page, what is conventional versus the alternative medical approach? Yeah. So typically the conventional medical approach is what your, I guess your very typical medicine where you go to the doctor, you have your 15 minute consultation, your yearly physical, um, you know, you get your blood work done, see what's happening. Maybe you go in with symptoms, they match the symptoms, give you medication. Uh, it's very like lock and key kind of model. Whereas the alternative medicine from my perspective is just more holistic. We kind of go in and we look at the root cause of what is happening. And we don't just look at a blood work panel and say you're healthy. We kind of dig into, you know, how are you feeling about life? What does your body feel like? What are your energy levels like? So to me, the conventional medicine is just kind of the surface and symptom-based, whereas alternative is more holistic and deeper. And its its goal is to make you have this like wonderful, full, healthy life. Mm. Yeah, and obviously... I see this all the time with my clients too, like, especially with, you know, I specialize in PCOS and a lot of women will come up and they'll be like, I'm just so sick of being told, you know, take this pill. And then when you want to get pregnant, have kids, then we'll deal with that later. And then we'll like do another pill or whatever it is, whatever treatment it is. Um, And then it's almost kind of like, we'll deal with that later when it's an issue. And I think that's also one of the issues with like conventional lab tests too, because we're only looking at like, disease whereas the alternative approach is looking at you know markers that are um more specific and what's the word less like broad so that you can actually catch the illness way before and prevent it right absolutely and you know when you were talking about the you know we'll fix this now and deal with this down the line that also doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because for me with clients, I like to figure out, you know, what's going on and then just fix, fix everything and start putting, you know, a plan into action that in the short term helps, but also it's helping them to sustain long-term health and hit their goals down the line, whether that is conceiving or, you know, preventing X, Y, and Z. And so I think, yeah, again, the conventional model is just very pinpointed, whereas the alternative model is much broader. Yeah, and I think that one of the big things that we need to understand, and I mean, I would love to see a shift in the medical system one day with this, is like the, obviously the holistic approach in the alternative medical system, but then when we are looking at the conventional system, we have specialists for each like organ system. And it's like, well, if you have a problem with this symptom, then it's that organ and it has nothing to do with like another organ or like your whole body. But like, even I remember I I was talking to a gynecologist and um, kind of talking about, you know, obviously reproductive health and all that women's health. And she was kind of saying like, oh yeah, gut health has nothing to do with like gynecological health. And I was just like, (laughs) just biting my tongue. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to say anything, but it's really frustrating, you know, because we can't just be like, okay, this organ is by itself and it doesn't communicate to any other organs or like the body has nothing to like another system in the body has nothing to do with it. Like we cannot look through that lens anymore. I 100% agree. It's such a bizarre concept to me that the body is separated into all of these individual components when, you know, even from a very basic hormonal standpoint, we know that every system in the body communicates to each other. And we know that everything influences 
every other organ system and so to look at it in a segregated manner is just basically setting things up for failure before you even begin. Mm -hmm. And so I know that um, there are definitely some practices that exist out there that are merging more of the conventional approach and the alternative because this isn't just to bash like conventional medicine obviously this is not what we're doing here but we do recognize that you know more of the acute instances the emergency situations that is where the conventional system is bang on like we need them they are so good at that when it comes to chronic disease we're not so good at that with the conventional medical medical system and so in my opinion i think and there are definitely you know clinics are practices out there who do this about merging the two so that we have each person in their own specialty and we're using the holistic approach at the same time for things like lifestyle, like lifestyle and diet that we could actually manage different like chronic diseases and things like that. So for you, why do you think there is so much resistance in your opinion about merging these two? Because I think they would work very well together just as long as we know like what we're good at. You know what I mean? 100%. And yeah, like you said, this isn't to bash conventional medicine. It has its place. It is needed. Um, it's just that we need to have a more integrated approach and we need to be working with each other. It has to be a two-way street. And I think in the, you know, the alternative sphere, we're really good at working with each other. For example, you know, nutrition, nutritionists and naturopaths, we go back and forth all of the time. A nutritionist understands the importance of spinal health for whole body health. So, you know, we refer to chiropractors and physios and, you know, we've got this really great community of interdisciplinary practitioners. And then we have conventional medicine that just kind of sits on the side. It's like, you know, the kid that doesn't want to go play with the rest of the group and you're mm -hmm. just kind of like, all right. And I don't really know where that stems from, but what I see is from the alternative side, we have no aversion to working with conventional medicine. You know, we're pro working with conventional medicine. And yeah, you know, conventional medicine is really great at the acute stuff, where, whether, you, whether that's a, a car accident or somebody has an infection, like a, an acute infection, of course you wanna go to a medical doctor and get that resolved. In the conventional community, there seems to be an aversion to working with alternative practitioners. And not only an aversion, but they, they discredit pretty much everything that we stand for and that we do because it doesn't fit into the lens or the framework that, that they were taught. And I, I'm unsure why, to be honest, but from my observations, the because within alternative medicine, you know, you have many branches. You can have Chinese medicine, Ayurveda, you have chiropractor. I would say even physio is a form of alternative medicine. You have aromatherapy, herbalism, nutrition, you know, it's, it's all encompassing. And since we're really good at working together, I just find it a little bit confusing that the conventional medical system wants no part of it. And even say, you know, I have clients who get better, they go back to their medical doctors and their medical doctors basically discount their experience saying that, oh, well, you know, you must not have had this or maybe something was a misdiagnosis or something was wrong because it's not possible for you to get better. So I think mm. there just needs to be a shift in, in the conventional mindset. And that needs to start from, you know, the education in medical school that there are other options. And yes, we all need to play into our strengths. Mm, 100%. So many things I want to say from this, but <laughs> Definitely, like in my in my opinion too, I think like 
I think the smartest thing, obviously, if you like got hit by a bus or like you have like bleeding or whatever, like go to the emergency room. Like we're not gonna look at this. Like okay, let's do energy healing on you. Like no, yeah, just, okay. we need to go to the emergency <laughs> room. Focus on that. <laughs> yeah. So obviously, in those situations, but in terms of like you know more chronic illness, which is the main focus of our talk here today, I really think that holistic approach whatever that is, because you mentioned a lot of those, there are so many out there, um, should really be the first thing addressed. And then if we're still like, okay, which usually doesn't happen, but if we're still like, okay, we still, something's still not right, or we need to do something like, I don't know, a procedure, whether it's surgery or whatever, then you go to the conventional approach. And for the most part, it's the opposite. And that is really not serving anyone. And I think that's also why we're seeing a lot of frustration out there. And then we're seeing people come to us and be like, we tried everything and it's not working where I think it would be so much better if we actually did the opposite. Exactly. I agree with that 100%. And I always think of, you know, the conventional versus alternative as a, the conventional system is not a healthcare system. The conventional system is a disease care system. There is no getting around that. You don't go for health. You go there to mask the symptoms. And a lot of the times, like you were saying, it goes backwards. People are going to the doctor, they get shuttled around from doctor to doctor, specialist to specialist, and they, they spend a lot of time, and some people can spend years feeling really bad or getting unnecessary surgeries. And whereas, yeah, if people would come to the convention or the alternative side first, we can work together with conventional because, you know, I mean, not all pharmaceuticals are bad all of the time. Sometimes in the interim, a pharmaceutical is going to help that person get to a certain place where then, you know, they can start to feel better, wean off and incorporate habits into their life. But as it stands right now, the, the preventative health side of conventional medicine is very poor. And I would argue that it doesn't even exist. Mm. And I like that you also, well, you mentioned a little while back about like how we kind of brush off or even a lot of the time I hear um, my, you know, clients come to me or just, you know, people come to me and say, well, I was told take this and you'll have to take this for the rest of your life and you just have to deal with this for the rest of your life. And this is like normal, quote unquote, it's part of aging, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I've even heard things like... Um, even like hormonal imbalances are like all sorts of things that you can definitely manage holistically that have nothing to do quote unquote with your diet like diet won't change that which is just crazy because we become what we eat really what we absorb but when we think about you know the medical system and um schooling they only have a few hours of nutrition so at the end of the day there isn't really much education on that which is really unfortunate um, but for me, I just see, which is also why I've become, I've started to incorporate more of like mindset work in my practice is that your state of being your beliefs and how you, you know, think about yourself and your illness and your beliefs around that and your ability to heal is going to play a tremendous impact on your ability to heal and, you know, feel healthy and be vibrant. So I think it's such a disservice and frankly, quite unprofessional to, start telling people, well, there's nothing you can do. Just keep, you know, take this pill for the rest of your life. Like nothing's going to change that kind of thing. And people are just so distraught and discouraged and unmotivated. And that can also lead to mental health problems where they have to, you know, take other pharmaceuticals because of depression or things like that. So we really need to be careful with our words as well. What are your thoughts on that? 
Yes, I could speak so much on this. Um, first of all, with the nutrition piece, it's quite crazy because in every natural medicine or I guess cultural medicine um, from you know way back in the day, nutrition is such a vital component of them all. The Western model of medicine is the only model that does not take nutrition into consideration. So you know, I'll just leave that for people to kind of think about on their own. And then, yes, you're right. You know, when people are told that, you know, you, this is what's wrong with you, there's nothing you can do about it, but take this, this pharmaceutical, it's really disempowering. And I think that in itself can, you know, cause a lot of mental health problems. And yeah, once you go on one pharmaceutical, it's kind of a cascade down this rabbit hole um, where you are just kind of on them for life and you have to, you know, mitigate side effects with other ones. And I think, um, I hesitate to say this, but I, I believe that when you see somebody, you assess their situation, you take their symptoms, and you write them a prescription, that is 100% lazy medicine. It's irresponsible, and it just, it really doesn't have to be that way, and I'm not sure how we've got to this point where a prescription pad is what dictates your future. Mm, and the thing I think is that's difficult as well is that, well, first of all, the education, and then we really don't have a lot of time with our doctor. So we have to like present maybe one symptom and then they have a toolbox of, okay, you have this symptom, take this drug kind of thing. We're going to talk a little bit more about like the pharmaceutical industry as well, because that's a big influence. Um, but the first thing that popped into my mind when you said that um, was just whack-a-mole. <laughs> it's kind of like one symptom comes up and then you take one um, pharmaceutical and then, you know, pharmaceuticals can have side effects and all that. So then they have another symptom that comes up and then we take another one. It's just kind of like whack-a-mole that just like <laughs> came into my head. And I think that's like the perfect kind of description of what it really looks like, to be honest. 100%, I, I think so. And, you know, when you're just, when you're prescribing pharmaceuticals based on a symptom model of disease, you're not taking into account, like, how did that person get the disease? You know, just because two people present with diabetes doesn't mean they arrived at that destination the same way. There's many roads that people can take and they don't take into account, into account, yeah, their mental state, the environment which they grew up in Their you know, if we really want to get into it, past traumas and all of these things that we know from research and honestly, just intuitively being human contribute to pathological processes. And I'd love for you to get into a little bit uh, about like, um, how you're talking about like the disease care system and the healthcare system and why really chronic disease is a business because of things like, you know, big pharma and the approach of basically seeing like the alternative healthcare system where it's kind of like, we don't want to see you again. Like, please don't come back because we want you to be better and heal and actually like feel amazing in your body. Whereas a conventional system, unfortunately, it does keep you coming back for more, right? Yes. And to speak to that, you know, I, in the alternative world, we always say if you, if we're doing our job correctly, we, sh we should not keep seeing you, you know, mm -hmm. and you should be a repeat patient. Whereas conventional medicine, you're always going to fill your prescriptions and what have you. And Yes, so to talk on that as chronic disease as a business, which I, I feel as though is not a, a, common, a common thought, um, especially those who do suffer from chronic disease, you know, they, you like to think that your healthcare provider or your medical system has your best interests in mind, but at the end of the day, the pharmaceutical industry is a 1.2 trillion 
dollar industry. And so that's, that's a lot of money. And it's just projected to keep skyrocketing over the next few years. I think the newest stat is it's going to be a $1.5 trillion industry by 2023. And so sick people are good for the economy. <laughs> and I mean, you can talk about healthcare costs and like what that does to countries and stuff. But at the end of the day, the pharmaceutical industry brings a crap ton of money. For mm. lack of more professional that's the, yes that's the unfortunate reality but then I think well we're going to talk a little bit about you know what we can do but we really need to be aware and take uh, our health into our own hands because a lot of the time we can almost feel like we have to worship our doctor or um, you know distrust ourselves or if somebody says you know that's normal your labs are fine. I love that one. Your labs are fine. You're fine. <laughs> and you feel like shit. You can't wake up in the morning. You have zero energy. You have like painful periods. You might not have a period, like whatever it is, brain fog, cravings. Like these are symptoms of imbalance because we are meant to thrive and be healthy. That is our, you know, innate state. And if we don't feel really good in our bodies, something is wrong. So we always need to like stand up for ourselves because just because a lab work says that you are fine, quote unquote, that is not the holy grail. Like that's not going to give you all the answers either. Um, Values are are pretty arbitrary, you know? Yeah, (laughs) we have to remember that. Pathological diagnosis doesn't mean something's not wrong and that you're not going to arrive at that diagnosis two years down the line because you didn't fix what was happening. Yeah. And then a lot of the time we also see a lot of incomplete lab markers that are asked for. And then obviously the ranges will be out of range. I see this all the time with thyroid. Um, And then we can't also test everything in the blood either. So we always have to be mindful of that as well. Like blood tests can be great, but they're not going to give you all the answers either. Exactly. They're like a great jumping off point, but then a good practitioner should be able to look at a lab, a comprehensive lab panel, not just like your regular blood panel and, you know, start putting the pieces together. And that's why in alternative medicine, our consultations are well over an hour because we, we look at everything. We, we chat, we get an entire picture of the person to, you know, like a detective, put the pieces together and see what's actually going on internally. Mm-hmm. And so I'd love to kind of jump into more of like the natural medicine because we talked a lot about the conventional approach and, you know, what is missing here. Um, but a lot of the time I see a lot of patients or even people ask me, you know, what is the thing that will fix this? Like, what diet should I do? What pills should I take? And we really need to remember that, especially if we've been, you know, feeling ill, we've been living an unhealthy lifestyle for most of our life, we can't expect like one thing to shift everything because we're out of balance due to our environment and our habits. We live in a toxic world. We're not meant to like live this way. We're eating like plastic food, like fake food. We're not moving our bodies. We're not getting like, you know, even exposure to nature. We're out of alignment. We're not even following our purpose or, you know, our joy. We're not even really connecting with people anymore. We're actually the least connected people that have ever lived, even though we are more connected than ever before with electronics, but we are not like socially connected. And this is also why, you know, depression rates have gone up. Um, Chronic stress, obviously like our body cannot function under this type of stress. Like it was not designed for that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So at the end of the day, we can't be surprised that we are the sickest we've ever been because we are not living as human beings should be living. We're trying to like hack our way out of like, I guess, you know, our natural habitat and like our natural needs, but 
this doesn't work. If you go against nature, we know what happens. Like it's, it's bad news. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, my question is, um, I don't know if you see this a lot, but a lot of the time people will question natural approaches and seem to kind of like obviously go towards, first of all, conventional medicine and sort of like worship that approach. Um, and then sort of like question things like herbs and things like that. Like, what if this is dangerous? You know what I mean? Do you see yes. this a lot? I do. And I, I think it just goes to show how much we're conditioned because deaths from pharmaceuticals are astronomical, but people are scared to take a herb that grows in nature that's constituents perfectly match the biology of our body, you know? And mm -hmm. we've become so far remo removed from nature that I do find people are often... I don't know if scared is the right word, but they have an aversion to alternative medicines because yeah, they think either that they don't work or that they're really dangerous, which is, you know, opposite ends of the spectrum. You either think it works too well or it doesn't work at all. But at the same time, those thoughts kind of combine to form people's opinions of it. And so I always tell people that, you know, our bodies are nature. We like there, there's no getting around that. We are designed to work with nature from the foods that we eat that grow in nature on this earth to the medicine that is grown to the sun, to the air. Like we can't, we can't even exist without trees because of the gas exchange that happens between humans and trees. So to, to think otherwise or to think that herbal medicine is dangerous is um, highlighting a bigger problem, which is our disconnect from nature. But uh, the caveat to that is, of course, there, there's times when herbs are good for you, times when they're not. There are some that are toxic in higher doses, which is why you always do want to work with a practitioner just to make sure you are, you know, getting, getting the proper doses at the correct time and that you are taking the right herbs. And so what are these natural supplements and therapies that might be becoming legal? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so a lot... You know, I've only been practicing for about four years now, and in these four years, I've noticed that a lot of therapies, as soon as they get either clinical trials or a lot of traction that they are helpful, um, all of a sudden, you know, they get banned in Canada and the States. Um, and I guess even to precede that, like cannabis and psilocybin mushrooms are like two great examples, you know, they are two of the most potent medicines in the world and they have been illegal for, you know, how long? And now we are starting to see the legalization of cannabis, but you know, that every part of the plant has medicinal effects that can be used from, you know, anywhere from anxiety to cancer and, you know, psilocybin with mental health issues. But if we think about those, the anxiety, the mental health issues, cancer, those are in, or those are pathologies that bring a lot of money to the pharmaceutical industry. And I hate to keep harping on the <laughs> pharmaceutical industry, but that's, that's why all of these, really potent medicines start getting banned and you know i can't recall where it was in the states but for example um glutathione you know supplement very um, normal uh, run-of-the-mill supplement uh, much better in ivs and a state made not the glutathione iv illegal but they made the process to make it illegal so you could still give the glutathione but i think it was like they added oxygen you had to add oxygen or something which rendered it ineffective and so um yeah and even on a on a smaller scale than that working at a health food store i saw things that you know all of a sudden you just can't get in anymore um if anybody wants to look into the true hope scandal 
that's a, a Canadian company. Um, there was a big thing on Marketplace, I believe. It was years and years ago, Health Canada banned it. Um, and it's really good for mental health and people were committing suicide and they ended up having to bring it back in, but it was so effective. People were actually able to get off of their antipsychotics and antidepressants. And you know, that created a lot of buzz. And then the next thing you know, it's illegal. Well. Or you yes. can't get it. Maybe illegal might be too too strong of a word, but there definitely is regulations on mm. on supplements um, to that nature. It's going to be a lot more challenging to get our hands on it than just get a drug from our doctor, right? Exactly. Yeah, you have to jump through some some loopholes for sure, and. Even, you know, a lot of the supplements that we have in stores, they're obviously great, um, but the, the really high doses that you need for certain pathologies are just, you can't, you can't get them. Mm. And I don't know if you've also noticed, well, you probably have, but there's, I've definitely noticed like a lot of censorship around health accounts and even like what can be shared online and even websites being shut down, especially like more of those bigger like alternative health accounts. Yes, I have noticed that. And I've noticed, you know, when you type in, when you're searching alternative stuff on, on Google, most of the stuff doesn't come up anymore, which is really unfortunate because then, you know, if people are wanting to explore natural therapies or, you know, just expand their, their awareness on what they can do for their diagnosis or for a loved one, they, it's really hard for them to even find actual information. So it's kind of this like, perpetual cycle that just, you know, it's like trying to crowd out the alternative medicine. Mm. If there's so much effort, you know, to make it really hard to get certain supplements to, you know, censor things. It's, it's not in the best interest of the public, that's for sure. Yeah. And I mean, if we see this is happening, then our, our question is like, why? Like, why, why can't we look up natural remedies? Like, it doesn't really make sense, right? So, have to kind of look at like the motives behind that but obviously you know again speak up for yourself advocate for yourself but what would you say if somebody you know has always seen their doctor and they're now fed up and they want to go more of like the natural route but their doctor is resistant to natural approaches like what would you say to those people yeah, you just have to stand in your autonomy. Your doctor is great. And that's another thing I wanna I wanna speak to is that I believe Doctors have great intentions, medical doctors that operate within the conventional framework, they have great intentions. I don't think, you know, they're, they're being malicious or anything. It's just, they're doing what they're taught and there's just a whole other, it's one piece of the pie, you know, there's a whole, whole other sections. Um, and so, yeah, your doctor is great and you respect them, you want to listen to them, but you are allowed to venture out. You are allowed to get second opinions. You are allowed to switch doctors and, and do your own research. And also when it comes to medicine, if you have a doctor that isn't supportive of your healing process, it's probably time to get a new doctor. Yeah, because the whole point is we want you to get better, right? So does it really matter how you get there? In my opinion, I don't think so. I think like the path of least resistance is the best way to get there. Um, but yeah, and again, as you mentioned, stand up for yourself. Yeah, and I mean, you know, if we're not even talking about nutraceuticals or like other alternative therapies, even if like just diet, I find that there's a lot of resistance to diet switches and using therapeutic diets to treat or manage various pathologies. And so if you have a doctor that discounts that, 
that's really not okay. And we need to be vocal about that. It's not enough to just, you know, say, okay, that's fine. Like I'll go find a new doctor or, or what have you. You should be speaking up and being like, you know, <laughs> you need to educate yourself. And um, yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I don't really want to get into the COVID discussion specifically, but I think there is, um, you know, something to be said about just kind of worshiping vaccinations or like, again, pharmaceuticals and things like that, because at the end of the day, we have the most advanced technology and science, yet we have the sickest population, right? And obviously, when we are looking at COVID, more of the complications are coming from people with chronic diseases like diabetes, cardiovascular disease. So for me, I think we're really missing the mark in terms of, yeah, I mean, I talked about all of the ways that we're out of balance, but um, why are we not focusing on the basics? You know, like why are we not focusing on building healthy populations so that they can actually build like a strong immune system? Because that is our strongest defense. Like our body is meant to protect itself against external pathogens, viruses, bacteria, et cetera. Yeah. And yeah, without getting too much into the COVID conversation, like you mentioned, it is important to note that in the entire conversation on COVID, there is no mention of the immune system, which yes, that is, we are born with the immune system to help us fight pathogens. And with the new CDC update saying that 94% of the cases had at least 2.6 other morbidities. That's not to discount those deaths by any means, but it's, it's highlighting that we are looking at this all, all wrong. It's not a, a pandemic that really, or it's not an illness that affects healthy people. And so we have to like dig deeper, peel back the layers. Why do we have so many people with comorbidities? These are not natural parts of aging. And yeah, we have the most, um, the highest technology we've ever had and the most research dollars going into prevention and you know cures quote unquote for certain diseases so why are they affecting so much of the population why are they rising and why are they predicted to basically skyrocket over these next 20 years and you know the science and the medicine um, spheres are very political and even people with the best intentions to do the research they are bound by the system and um, you know a lot of times like research dollars aren't given to more like natural approaches or because we just want to be funding either pharmaceuticals or conventional ways or you know it's discounted you can't get your articles published and whatnot and yeah so just to continue to speak on that I think we really need to look into why this is happening not and by looking into the why we get the solution mm -hmm. and as you mentioned again i mean a lot of the things that we can do like even things like earthing there's so much i don't know if you watched the documentary earthing but it was like fascinating about how literally just grounding yourself on the grass or just like in nature can create such profound um healing in the body but things like that, like moving your body, getting out in nature, um, you know, yeah, nature therapy, deep breathing, stress management, meditation, all these sorts of things are free. So like, how is that going to profit anybody, right? So at the end of the day, you really don't, obviously there are different things that you can do as well, like healing modalities that will cost money, but there are so many things that are free that we can literally be doing each and every day. Absolutely. And if you look at those free therapies, they kind of fall into this like woo-woo category where people are like, well, I'm going to sit here and like alternate nostril breathe. They're like, 
what <laughs> thing, like what kind of science fiction is that but it's like these really basic practices that humans have evolved with and most people don't breathe properly at all um you know not even like therapeutic breath most people's um respiratory systems don't function correctly because we've been breathing poorly for so long most of us like well maybe vancouver and where i live in mexico is quite different but the average population if you ask somebody when was the last time you were barefoot outside most people probably can't answer that you know where it's it's so fundamental to be connected to nature and even the grounding i love it or the earthing because if you actually look into the science of it it like biologically explains like the physiology that happens when you do it which i i just love when nature and science come together yeah like there actually is the science now and even like Joe Dispenza is a great, or Wim Hof are great examples of like actually merging the science with the quote unquote woo woo. And it's like, this is actually happening in the body. And it's not just physiologically, but then we also know like the nocebo effect, the placebo effect, all of those types of things where it's like when you actually start to believe you can heal, people have actually like healed chronic diseases from literally just shifting their belief system. So it's not like a bunch of woo woo like bullshit either um because i know you and i like we are definitely into the woo woo but we like to combine that with the science because we love science as well right and i think that definitely helps to improve the credibility as well when you have the science backing it and now we do which is amazing yes and i i love science you know i come from a research background and i have a great respect for science i've just kind of got to this point in my life and my career where my mind is a little more open and I understand that, you know, science has its limitations and the world and the earth and our bodies are so intelligent. There's no way that we're ever going to be able to measure everything with our like tiny little human brains. <laughs> you I know love that I mean? you mentioned that. Yeah. Cause we can't explain everything and we never will be able to. So there's yeah. so much outside of ourselves that we literally have no power over. So yeah, I love that you mentioned that too. And exactly. so, to end off, what would you say, like, okay, we've talked a lot about, like, what's wrong and, like, what we should lean towards, but, like, what can we do now? Like, maybe somebody's feeling a little bit overwhelmed. They're like, okay, I don't know if, you know, just sticking with my doctor for everything is the right approach. Maybe I should, like, merge out or, like, you know, investigate a bit more, do some research. Like, where do we even start? What can we do? Yeah, great question. I think the first step is it sounds a little corny, but just get to know yourself because, um, and yeah, you know, like seek information, talk to people, reach out, um, Instagram, you know, that kind of stuff is a great jumping off point because the thing is when you, when you're switching, not even switching, when you're integrating your conventional approach with a natural approach, you're basically switching your belief system. And uh, with that is going to come up a lot of things. And like we spoke about, you know, the alternative stuff, it isn't just about, taking nutraceuticals or diet it is a lot about like that mindset mindset shift and so i i really believe that if we just need to get to know ourselves and kind of be ready to make the switch and be open to it because a lot of the stuff that we talk about in alternative medicine sometimes it's like what what like that's weird and so you really mm. just have an open mind and i think yeah it's just about Seeking knowledge, read books, um, talk to people who have been through both conventional and alternative medical 
systems, um, a great place to start would be with a functional medicine doctor because functional medicine doctors are the, that bridge between conventional and alternative. They operate like um, a conventional doctor does, but they incorporate all of the, you know, lifestyle and nutrition bits that we in natural medicine do. So yeah, knowledge, knowledge is power. It really is. Yeah, I love it. Accept what comes, what comes through that. Yeah. And I think it's really important as well to just be patient and compassionate too, because I'm still going through my own healing journey. It's been like, I don't even know how many years now, but it's like, it never ends. It's not like a finish line either. It's, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And it's just continuously learning about yourself, questioning things. And sometimes you're like, actually that didn't work for me. I'm going to try something else. And that's fine. It's just about, you know, accepting that because I think a lot of the time, if we think that, okay, this thing is going to work and I'm going to be healed in the next, like, I don't know how many weeks. And then we get really disappointed because we had this expectations of like, again, the bandaid approach. And we really need to like, be careful with that because everything can really heal, but we just need to remember that it's like, it's not one thing that's going to make the biggest difference. It's going to be more of like the little things added on top of each other compounded over time. Right. 100%. And I think, you know, that is also a big difference between the conventional and alternative approaches. And that, you know, it's something that as as practitioners, we need to educate our, our clients on that. And it is a process and, but it's possible. And I mean, to say it's a process doesn't mean it's going to be years before you feel any changes, you know, like you can start Mm -hmm. feeling better pretty much instantly. It's just that it, it is a commitment and it's a lifestyle switch because the thing with say the band-aid approach is you put a band-aid on and you still live your lifestyle the way you did before, but you've got a band-aid, so it's fine, mm. you know? But when you are actually fixing the root problem, you have to fix why it happened and that is gonna involve an entire lifestyle overhaul, um, which you're gonna do over a long period of time in little baby steps. And yeah, I think that's a really good a good point to tell people. And especially since we're so used to being in an instant gratification society where you know everything is like boom 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 done it, it can be hard to like sit sit in that but the result is you feel better and you feel amazing and then opportunities open up for you know everything in life yeah and i love that you mentioned that too because i think a lot of the time it can be daunting and like even overwhelming or like you don't like it's harder quote unquote to shift your lifestyle like it's easier to order pizza and sit on the couch like 100 percent instead of like prepping your meals, cooking a meal. It doesn't have to be difficult to do that, but it's always going to be easier to do like the, I guess the conventional kind of way of living. But the thing is, if we want to feel good in our bodies and live a different way of life, we need to do things differently from the norm. And that is just the reality of the game. We can't just be like, we can't (laughs) like live like this, like we are living, you know, with like the Franken food and the, um, like an exposure to natural sunlight and nature and just living indoors all the time, all of these sorts of things, um, processed foods and expect to feel good. Like we have to be like letting go of one thing to accept the other. But then mm-hmm. once you start feeling good, it's like a no brainer. Like why would I want to go back to those, um, you know, that lifestyle if I feel like crap every day, can't get off the couch, etc. right? Like it's just, you actually become more energized and you actually start to implement these new habits that become automatic and easy. And it doesn't need to be that complicated anymore, but there can definitely be some resistance because people around you might be like, what are you doing? That's weird. But 
it's a choice at the end of the day. Do you want to feel your best or do you want to feel your worst or like feel, I guess, normal kind of like going through life at this, what's the word? Kind of like mediocre level, right? It's like, it's mediocre. It's like, I'm fine. Kind of like normal. Um, but there's so much more that's available to you. So it's kind of like at the end of the day, it is a choice, right? That is 100%. We all, we all choose what we are okay with and we live the lives that we are okay with. And so exactly. It's the choice, um, that, that we make if we, and so, you know, if, if you want to take the conventional approach and you're okay with that, that's, that is your choice to make, you know? Mm-hmm. But the choice is is there, and yes, it can be harder, but it's it's always easy to stay in in your comfort zone. So are nothing ever grows there, as we exactly. know. <laughs> no, it does not. All right. Well, honestly, I feel like we could talk forever and ever and ever, but we are coming <laughs> up to the end of the episode. So I love for you to share where we can find you, and if there is a way that people can work with you or connect with you if they want to learn more and kind of get in touch with you. Yeah, I think Instagram is probably the best. Uh, my handle is live well with lease and my, I have a link tree on there with my website. Um, I don't have any services on my website. If you want to work with me, um, I just ask that you send an email, which is, you know, plastered all over my social media and my website to see if we are a good fit to work with each other. And for consultations, I do obviously make plans and stuff, but I also just offer informational consultations that basically it's just an hour where we chat and I just tell you your full spectrum of options uh, that is available to you and you know if I can administer them great if not I refer to people who can Um, yeah I love it well I'll put all the links in the show notes so we can come check you out highly recommend following her Um, and yeah thank you so much for coming on this was an amazing chat and I'm really really grateful that you're able to share with us today Yes, thank you so much. It was really fun and I'm always happy to, you know, do my part to expand awareness on what is out there. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you loved it. And as usual, if you do enjoy the episode, the podcast, I really appreciate a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It really helps my podcast reach more people who need it and to spread my message. So I really appreciate your time for tuning in and I can't wait to share what's coming next next week.